Money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success, others use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it, and how to grow it. This is Tilly Money. Our guest today is Jane McNally, CEO of luxury fashion label Camilla. Using collaborative leadership and over 30 years international retail experience, including 18 years as a board member and 11 years as chief executive in the retail sector, Jane has worked at leading national and international brands, including Camilla, Marks, Millers, and the global value retail phenomena, Primark. Jane was nominated for Turnaround Business of the Year by Barclays after turning a $25 million underlying loss into a £2.5 million operating profit within three years at Arisa Limited. She has accelerated international channel growth, including physical US stores and multinational websites at Camilla, drove a turnaround buying strategy for Peacock, quadrupling profits and lifting share price, and helped grow revenue for £300 million to £1 billion at Primark through injecting fashion credentials into the woman's offer and driving a more direct sourcing strategy. In her not-for-profit role, Jane sits on the Council of the Australian Retail Association, which is currently helping to steer national retail through challenging times. Jane, welcome to the Tilly Money podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I have to say that this is a podcast, so people will be listening to this. But we're talking over Zoom, as we have all been doing for such a long time now. But at the moment, I'm watching the most spectacular background that you have. And in many ways, this will probably explain the business that you're CEO of, which is Camilla. And it's the most beautiful silk screen print or massive silk. Um, scarf or massive silk yeah. hat tell us about it this is actually uh, one of one of the prints from this season and uh, it's the it's probably the second print that we've developed using uh, neon printing technique which is actually uh, still quite innovative um, and one of the reasons that uh, you're seeing this screen behind me is when we started zooming um, the first round of covid uh, we recognised that uh, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of lively uh, Zoom backgrounds around. So we developed our own, and each time we launch a new collection, we also push out uh, these Zoom backgrounds available for anyone that wants them, um, and they've been really, really popular. Well, I bet because what I'm looking at is a kaleidoscope of colour. You know, bright orange, yellows, hot pinks, and subtle colours as well, which is very typical of Camilla clothing, magnificent colours. So tell us tell us about the business that is well known as Camilla. So I think um, Camilla herself, and, and you mentioned that you've known her for, for, for many years, she's actually just taken a very innovative, almost disruptive approach to fashion. Um, we don't, she doesn't follow trend everything that we do is originated from scratch so the print background that you're seeing will have been evolved from uh, probably a series of photographs that she'll have taken 
or mm. some what she calls her travel treasures and we have an amazing team of um well probably one of the largest teams of graphic designers in Australia we have a team of 14 who will pull together all these original ideas and work with hand-drawn um, art or CADs um, and create something very spectacular mm. what's happening at the moment I think Camilla started as a, a resort brand with her caftans but I think what's happening at the moment and we've seen it especially accelerate through Covid is that the brand is become becoming better known as a print house mm. um, and if I give you an example of Zoom backgrounds one but we um, have introduced crockery two weeks ago and sold out in two days so I think anything that uh, we can apply our print to um, is doing very well and I think the reason that she's um, it's so unusual is that she hasn't she's she's very open as far as um, inclusivity is concerned for all types sizes and shapes of women um, and she's developed a, a sizing um, approach that goes from very small to um, as large as you really want to make it mm. um, very accessible it's feel-good fashion those colors that you've talked about um, have been brilliant for um, a COVID climate because people want to feel a bit better and it makes them feel cheerful looking at it. Um, so yeah, lots of pluses, lots of differences about about our brand, but never never a trend follower, always a trendsetter. Wow, I like it. Tell me a little bit more about the, um, I mean, I've known the brand for a long time, as I said to you earlier when we spoke off air and certainly known Camilla. Um, but um, tell me a little bit about when it was established and, you know, where, where it's got to from that those early days oh well so Camilla's now been established for 18 years can you believe mm. um and it came from the theater so Camilla was uh, making these colorful silk caftans in her breaks between uh, the show um and it sort of was taken up by lots of uh, friends of the theater and then lots of friends in general and I think she evolved her brand as a as a visionary rather than a classically trained uh, designer and that meant that she was listening not just to what she would wear but what her friends would wear um, and I think that's probably you know we, her first designs were very unusual in that you were looking at a one-size garment that could be you know tied 10 to 12 different ways and give you a different look every time you tied it a different way um, very glamorous um, we've been fortunate to have evolved a relationship with a partner factory in India um, and I've visited that factory a few times now and just been bowled over by the the craftsman qualities that are attached in there so you know I've been in the fashion industry for more years than I'd uh, like to mention <laughs> but um, that factory is something else everything is printed individually by size everything is hand cut um, the crystals which we're quite famous for the embellishments are hand applied by tweezers so it's a real craftsman process that you just don't see very often in the fashion industry anymore so um, it's 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 uniquely designed in Sydney mm -hmm. and then uniquely manufactured with our partner factory in India so um, but now I size wise um, without giving too many secrets away we we're represented in um, fifth well we, we ship to 55 countries online. We have over 350 stockists globally. Um, and we we sell. We're actually now a digital business. We actually are selling 
over 50% of our product now is sold online. So that's quite exciting. I think we're, we're, we started with design, but we've now become um, a, a digital business accompanying that. And was that kind of something that was accelerated by COVID, Jane? Uh, it's something that I, I've been pushing since I joined Camilla about five years ago. And um, we were already online, but uh, we've, you know, since re, uh, we've re-platformed and we've really accelerated uh, where we're represented globally. Mm. Um, and I felt that uh, it was a brand that could um, do very well online because you're not talking about extremely fitted garments. Mm. So it's, you don't have to worry about if, if you order a Camilla that uh, it, it might not fit. It's usually, we, we have very few returns compared to the uh, sector average. Um, so it, it, and it's light to post. So mm. it's a brand that works very well digitally probably quadrupled the size of our digital business in the last four or five years mm. um, and yes COVID has definitely uh, dare I say helped because you don't want to think about COVID helping anything mm. but it's helped us to accelerate some of the things that we had started but um, did, did more quickly. No, that's so true I mean even this mechanism we're using by Zoom I mean yes COVID accelerated the use of that it's driving us all crazy but I don't think fashion and beautiful things garments you know drive us crazy <laughs> and, uh, but um let's let's learn more about you jane you know you you're now ceo of this luxury fashion label camilla but tell us about your journey as well so i've I, I, as i mentioned i've always sort of ended up in fashion i did a um a history and politics degree uh post-grad in management and then um I think because I was a woman in uh, a few years ago, uh, where sort of careers, I wanted to get into buying and uh, fashion was probably the most obvious um, sector to go into as a, as a woman trying to make a career in buying. Um, so I've, I've been now sat on boards probably for about the last, uh, God, 18 years or so. And I've been CEO through about 10, 10 years, 11 years of that. Um, and I think, what I've done through my career is always um, enjoyed businesses which either needed um, a, a sort of turnaround scenario or businesses where I could see really high uh, growth potential and, uh, I, and knew that I could make a tangible difference. So for me, the excitement is always um, building something quite quickly and moving at speed. And every business that I've worked with has, has needed a slightly different approach. So, um, I mean, my first CEO ship was a fairly challenging one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I took on a business that was um, losing money, losing quite a lot of money, actually, about uh, you know, 28 million pounds. And um, it, I, I took that on at the start of the GFC, a six brand business. Um, and for that, really, the biggest challenge there was getting ourselves the capital and getting ourselves into a state where we could actually pursue all the strategic initiatives that we wanted to pursue. Um, that was entertaining and we we managed it, which was um, which was which was great. Um, but other businesses I've worked for, I worked with Primark at the time, Primark for any Australian listeners, because they're not actually here yet. Um, but they're now a multi-billion um, pound uh, business mm -hmm. and at the time that I went in there they were uh, really at the, it was at the cusp of the whole sort of value um, 
explosion. Um, and this was a business that was uh, really competing with market stalls. And over a period of six years, we I took the view that actually this could be could be could be viewed as a fashion business mm. um, and we adopted uh, sort of fashion principles um, key sellers sort of uh, sort of key uh, fashion items and uh, that that really uh, took off brilliantly um, and we also were probably the first retailers I think to direct source in northern China and direct source in Bangladesh so felt a bit like the wild west of the uh, of, of fashion at the time, but grew, you know, really rapidly in a short space of time. So that was more about sourcing and, and positioning. Mm. Um, the first CEO ship was more around um, financing. And, you know, with Camilla, it's really been about putting um, an infrastructure into a, 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 biz, a brand that already had the most amazing ideas and um, and, and success factor, but just needed to build a team and a structure, uh, both uh, sort of digitally um, and process-wise, that would um, enable it to deliver internationally. Mm, no, I understand. You've been talking about, you know, in previous roles um, that you've had, you know, as CEO, and they're not still a lot of CEOs, you know, that we speak to who are women. What did what do you think, Jane, are the biggest challenges facing females in leadership roles today from your experience? Uh, I think the we're, we're quite fortunate in the fashion sector. There probably are more female leaders in that sector than in others. Um, I think certainly in those future facing uh, sectors of computer and technology, it's a lot more challenging. Um, I've as a CEO in the UK, with my, I was actually CEO of a listed business. I used to find that I would go along to, you know, banking functions and be the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's never really. I, I have to be really honest and put my hand on my heart and say, in a leadership position, I've not personally found it challenging. But I've spoken to so many women that have in other sectors, mm -hmm. um, and I think the only things that we can do for future generations because they're saying you know we're a hundred ways 100 years away from uh, female leadership parity and probably another third added onto that post um the the pandemic so i think the things that we can do is really show examples of what it's like to be um a female ceo and what it's like to be a woman in government um and i think the more examples that we have of that the more role models that we have um then the more easily uh, we'll see women taking their place in 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 that uh, ceo field i think the reason that we don't see more today probably is because of the career break factor um and i think it's very difficult to it's still really difficult in australia to return from maternity um and not encounter either economic or um, emotional barriers in doing that. So I think, you know, if I if I look at where the challenges are, I was fortunate in having a husband that was prepared to take a career break. Not not that doesn't happen all that often. Um, but if we find if we can treat men differently and, and and give them the support to be able to be the ones that take the career break, if we can improve the laws around. Um, you know, maternity support, um, then I think, you know, I, th I think the 
women would be far more ready to hold their hands up and um, and and assume those leadership roles. Well, I agree with you on so many of those areas, and one that you've mentioned is about this this idea of role models. You know that as young women, you know, who do you turn to? You know, to see in positions like a leadership position, whether that be a CEO in business or a leader of government or the leaders of sporting teams, you know, that um, it's, it comes down to the role models. And, you know, you're sitting there as a CEO, as I am, um, and hopefully we're good role models for future women. But men have always had that. You know, they've been lucky in that respect, you know, that young men have seen that they could achieve things. Um, and in Harper's Bazaar, you know, which we chatted earlier that we're publishing now, that's what we're doing. So you were so spot on, Jane, when you mentioned that, because we're putting role models on the cover yeah. of Harper's Bazaar, but they're not going to always be models, fashion models and movie stars. You know, thought, leaders. Yeah, thought leaders. <laughs> leaders. Women, yes. women who are leaders, yes. And yes. that could be a female model who could be a leader or it could be a movie star who could be a leader, but it could be someone who's leading a bank or government. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's that that's where you take your inspiration. It's uh, the way you break down prejudice. And I, what's so interesting is I absolutely know I've got two sons, and because they've seen their dad being the um, the main home home man, maker for a, for a period of their childhood, I don't think they would have any issues whatsoever if they married a woman that wanted to no. um, pursue her career. So it it is just it is just breaking it down piece by piece. Um, I, I don't believe the World Economic Forum in saying it's 135 years to parity. I think I think we'll get there more quickly, but it it, it does need these uh, examples. So exciting that Harper's is going to be doing that. That's a really good thing. Yeah, definitely. One of the the reasons that you know I took on Harper's was to provide those the, that base for, platform for women, uh, you know, and that inspire others. But we can talk more about that later because I'm really interested to hear what you think women. Because we've got our faults, we admit that, you know, we're not perfect. Um, but we, what do you think we bring to the table when we are in positions of leadership? You know, what is it? It's we obviously have intellect or is that emotional <laughs> intellect? What, what do you see as our strengths that we bring into leadership positions? Look, I think... Um... I always say, look, it's, it, it, I wouldn't say that all men are from Mars and when, well, women from Venus. There is that em, full emotional spectrum in between. But I think in general, um, female leadership groups are a lot more supportive of one another. We have, you know, our executive team, we've got uh, six women, two men. Um, and the team that I led for the listed business in the UK had had, I think it was, eight women and one man and when we've had external sitting in on any of our uh, meetings our, uh, our board meetings they've always been impressed by how supportive um, we are there's not that competition it's if someone's got an issue um, then everyone will rally around and see how they can help help um, support them and come up with solutions in that regard I think the other thing is, and this is probably, a, uh, you know, by default of um, upbringing, I think that women are not afraid to show vulnerability. Mm. And I think that actually really helps when you're leading teams because you get a closer relationship and a better relationship. Same applies with stakeholders. You know, there's that honesty and transparency factor. And I think that 
it, it sort of more emotional intuitive approach that women take really helps um, the current retail business model where actually everything's about sort of pulling information rather from the customer and responding to that rather than pushing out what you think they might like mm. so I, I feel that that that's very helpful mm. um, and certainly at our business at Camilla we've created a really open transparent um, you know culture and there's no judgment you know if you're having a bad day doesn't matter if you want to show that or get upset um, and I think sort of releasing those um, those feelings is much better um, than the alternative. So we 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 find that um, yeah we just find that we've got a a, a very harmonious uh, team. Um, we don't exclude any men; they're more than welcome. <laughs> but uh, it's actually worked very effectively for us. And whether that's upbringing, whether it's evolution, I don't know. But it it it, it seems to work. Mm, sounds good, Jane. Now you talked touched on upbringing, which leads me to without going in too personal your upbringing you know and did you have mentors in your life you know that you saw people who were leaders in your life or did you have financial mentors tell us a bit about what got you motivated to be doing what you're doing whether that be on the business level that led you to be a CEO or even understanding money you know what what role models were there for you well, I suppose I was brought up, I had. I actually went to nine different schools through my <laughs> upbringing um, and uh, not, not because I was expelled, but because my, um, my father was moving very regularly as a retail pharmacist for Boots, the, the chemist. Mm. And I suppose what that actually did was gave me a recognition in those days the two biggest retailers in the UK were Boots and Marks and Spencers and they had a view that their managers should be moved every three years mm. um, and it gave me that sort of early indoctrination that work comes first you know it's sort of <laughs> you, you have to, work comes above all else mm. um, and so I suppose that that was one example would, would be my father as, as an early example and mentor um, and it wasn't just those moves he also had a, a very tough childhood himself his father was very very sick through most of his life and so he worked very very hard to achieve financial security and taught my sister and myself that we should you know also be prepared to work hard and understand the value of money so um you know i was working from quite a you know my mid-teens um weekends and holidays um and he always gave us a lot of encouragement so um I think that would be an, an, an early mentor. In terms of financial, um, really just the same, I suppose. His advice was um, invest in bricks and mortar and never spend more than you earn, which is <laughs> pr probably good advice. Yeah. Um, although I, you know, when I look at my sons now and they're all into EFTs and cryptocurrency and you know cheap debt and oh, it's a it's a it's another world, but. Um, yeah, I think uh, important to always have a, a, some sort of um, mentorship in that area. Today, I've got a, a UK uh, financial advisor because I've still got um, uh, super contributions over in the UK and um, an Australian financial advisor. Mm. Um, but they would probably, <laughs> I'm not sure how many marks out of 10 they would give me because it is a bit like having a personal trainer. You have to use them regularly to get the most yeah. out of them. But uh, their advice is always very good. So I think 
uh, you know, good idea to get an advisor on board for your for your personal wealth as well as uh, as well as your mentors for your uh, business world. There's definitely a good tip. Talking about finance, financial advisors, what's been your observation, say, in terms of if you noticed an obvious gender wealth gap in Australia? Because sometimes when someone comes to a different country, um, you see things with different eyes. You know, what, what have you observed in that respect? Or maybe you haven't. Um, I, I, I think it's probably the same in many countries around the world and not dissimilar in, in the UK. Um, that there is definitely a wealth gap. I think in, in Australia, um, I believe that women are paid on average 25k less than their male counterparts. Um, and obviously it would be wonderful if everyone could be recognised for exactly what they bring to the table. Um, especially at the moment, we'd be paying nurses hundreds of thousands in that context. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And I think back to what we talked about at the start in terms of um, role models. Um, I think you, you've really got to back yourself and you've got to um, develop confidence. And if you're in a role, do the research as to what that role should be paying on the open market. Do as much research as you can and ask for the going rate for that role. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to, to go and have a chat. Um, it's unfortunately, if 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 you don't ask, <laughs> you usually won't get. It's so, so, it's so true. It's so true. You've yeah. just got to have the courage to ask. Courage and confidence. Yeah. Courage and confidence, yes. You mentioned also, too, about we've learned the COVID, you know, and paying nurses more. The other group that I think for anyone that's homeschooling children is teachers paying more. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I, my husband's a teacher. <laughs> And I think he would agree with that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I don't know how women are coping currently. If you've got, my boys are now in their early 20s. So thankfully, um, I don't have to encounter that right now. But we're working with, um, you know, I'm on Zooms every day uh, with team members who've got their kids walking across the screen every three minutes. Oh, God, and yes. that's awful. And you, and they wait till you're on that screen to then demand sweets or whatever it might be. Well, I experience but, it myself. We know we've always been carers. I run this business, but we've taken always time out to care for our little tiny grandchildren. And I'm at a Zoom meeting and my little grandson will come and wave to everybody. So <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it's actually quite nice in a way. I think it, breaks down, yes. it break, yes. breaks down the barriers. But for people who are seriously trying to uh, home, home educate, it's, it's tough. It is a skilled job. And if anyone could do it, they already would be. So, um, yeah, I think well, we wouldn't have school. So, you know, that is that is that is a that is a tough and, as you say, underpaid, underpaid role. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting in the main, back to your stereotypes in the main, it's the uh, it's the women that have been interrupted with these things oh. going on. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah. And I'm sure that teachers are going to get lots of great Christmas presents this year when we eventually get <laughs> kids back, back to school. There's going to be a lot of big thank yous. But um, yes. In terms of your your success, you know, like it's such a broad thing for someone to say, well, what does success mean to you? Because we all have different ingredients to that and we all are motivated for different reasons to drive ourselves to, to be successful. How do you frame success, Jane, for yourself? 
Well, I suppose personally, I, I would frame success in, you know, how my family doing and feeling. That's very important. Um, it's true that you're only ever as happy as your unhappiest child. So um, that's something that I've found to be true throughout. Um, in the professional sense, I think it's actually success is, I see success in terms of being able to make a tangible, visible difference to business results. Um, and that would be, you know, that that would be uh, more important to me, I think, than maybe the um, material sort of <laughs> evidence of having achieved that. I think for me, the satisfaction comes in um, probably being needed and actually um, and, and delivering and delivering results. Mm. So, yeah, no, no, it's it's one good. If you if you had an opportunity, you know, um, I don't know if you name was the same surname that you've got at the moment but if you had a chance to go back and talk to Jane McNally when she was about <laughs> 20 years of age if you'd listen we always say that because we know that sometimes we don't listen when we're young but what do you what do you think you would say to her from what you've learned in life Jane? I probably would I, I, I mean I'm very fortunate I'm touching wood as I'm saying this I'm very fortunate that um, I've actually really enjoyed almost everything I've done and including the adventure of moving to Australia at a relatively late stage in life. Mm. Um, I think if I was to go back, I probably would say take as much care of my um, personal finances as, I, as you do of the businesses that you're looking after. That's always the thing that tends to um, be put to one side in the mayhem and uh, mayhem of day-to-day -day life. Um, but and yeah, I, I think I've always prioritized and tried to balance the, you know, the personal things in life alongside the, alongside the business things. That's really important as well. Always, you know, look, look after your personal relationships as well as your business ones. So, um, yeah, I, I pro probably would only be the personal finances. Other than that, I think, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been fortunate and enjoyed everything I've done. Mm, that's, that's a fabulous thing to be able to say about your life, Jane. If you were talking to a group of women and you were wanting to give them the benefit of your experience, so this time you're not talking to Jane, you're talking to other women, what do you think you would say to them? It's that confidence. Have confidence in yourself. Don't think everybody else is better or knows more than you do. Um, and don't be afraid to take on a challenge. I mm -hmm. think that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, it took me a while to learn to learn confidence um i think you know women again back to those generalizations we're not always um you know we're not always the best at uh, talking ourselves up or, or or telling others what we've achieved um but why i think do you, why do you think that is Jane? I, I don't know i'd certainly when i was being brought up i had quite a, tr a traditional household in the sense that my mum didn't work and she was always very much um don't you know you must be mod you know you don't tell them what you, you don't need to boast and there was this thing about boastfulness that was not particularly attractive quality deemed to be in a woman so I think for me the first time that um I think I think it was actually years ago when I was working as a junior buyer in in Dorothy Perkins and I'd brought something quite big into the into the business in terms of a supplier that then went on to be 25% of the business's mix and 
it just so happened that the managing director went to visit this supplier and said, well, who, who brought you into the business? And they told him and he came back out and he brought me into his office and he said, why didn't you tell us that? And I said, well, I, I just thought you'd know. <laughs> and he said, and he said, well, look, he said, if you blow, don't blow your own trumpet, nobody else will. <laughs> and so that's what I'd say. Don't, I'm not saying boast or tell people you've done things if you haven't done them, but, but if you have done something, then don't be afraid to communicate it because people are not telepathic. Men are not afraid to tell tell people what they've done and achieved. So just have that confidence and you know be prepared to let people know your worth and your value. Mm, that's such such good information, such good tips, Jane. It's been fantastic talking to you. Um, we like to keep in touch with people at Tilly Money, so I hope that you return um, and we can focus in on perhaps an area of expertise that you'd like to share um, with other women and it could be we'll uncover that at the moment we've talked about leadership because as CEO you know you're the leader of the business um, but I'm sure that there's a treasure trove of things that you um, are highly skilled at and if you could spare us the time um, we'd love to talk to you again. That's very very kind I've really enjoyed it thank you so much thanks Likewise. for inviting me. My absolute pleasure. And I'd like to also know about um, being a lover of China and, and beautiful products. I'd like to know more about um, this product range <laughs> where you mentioned the word crockery. And, uh, so but, uh, more of that another time. Fabulous talking to you, Jane. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, Follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.